0: Peace of Christ to you as you find your rest. Peace of Christ to you, Michael. As you find your uh, rest in uh, the pew. This um, journey during Lent, as we're exploring what it means to to rest in Christ, we've we've looked at, at how we rest in Christ in our work. It's not that we don't have work, but it's how we rest as we do our work. It's how we we find rest in Christ, even in the midst of stress and worry and guilt, and today in anger, in conflict, how Jesus says, come to me and find rest. Our passage during this time has been in Matthew chapter 11. And so I'm going to ask that we we join with the church for much of its history that would stand at the reading of the scriptures and we will stand and uh, read the words of Jesus together in Matthew 11. Let's, uh, Let's say the words of Jesus together. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your written word and we ask now that your spirit would take your words and apply them in our lives. Help us to experience you, to come to you and experience that rest of our souls that only comes from you. Even in the midst of work, in the midst of guilt, in the midst of conflict, help us to come to you. And to find you gentle and humble. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So as we've walked through this, one of the key things that Jesus says, If you want to find rest, then come be yoked with me. And not many of us here even uh, have probably ever seen a yoke. And so here's a picture, another picture of a yoke that we've just, for those that have been here, remind you. And for others, you can pick which one's Jesus. Um, they're, they're saying each other is Jesus. But that's what a yoke is. And in Jesus' day, no, it was um, uh, ox that would be in there instead of uh, people. Oxen um, uh, would be yoked together. And uh, Jesus is saying that's how that we are to be. That you yoke with me. You become my apprentice in life. And you, as you learn from me then you'll see that I'm gentle and humble. You'll see that you find rest um, for your souls, for your very lives in me. We, we, we learn from Jesus as we um, know that one of the main things that robs us of our rest is worry. It's stress. Particularly around the future, around money. So we, we looked at what Jesus said and what He says about the future, what He says about money and how to, to come to Him. And we know that another thing that robs us of that rest is the burden of guilt and the ways that we can try to cover over or hide our sin or sweep it under the rug or just throw it in the closet or the garage or the attic and then until it just comes overflowing and becomes a burden. And he says, come to me, I'm gentle, I'm humble. You will find rest. You will find forgiveness. You will find Grace. It's not only forgiveness from Christ, but it's forgiveness through Christ that we find rest as we offer that forgiveness to others that harm us, that commit evil against us. We find our rest when in His power we're able to forgive others. It's bitterness. It's feeding anger, it's holding grudges that rob us of that rest, that become that bitterness. Even it's even been demonstrated to be bad for your health. Uh, found a, a study from Emory University where they were studying unforgiveness. And uh, they were doing uh, uh, images of your brain. And uh, when there were times when there was anger, when there was bitterness, when there was refusal to, to forgive, they demonstrated through your brain activity that your brain would suppress your immune system when you would harbor anger, feed bitterness towards other human beings. We find rest when in the power of Christ we're able to forgive others. Matthew 18 is one of the stories that Jesus tells, a a parable, that, that speaks to this necessity for forgiving necessity of forgiving others as we have been forgiven that we forgive others it's one of the ways that we yoke with Jesus we learn from him we we read from his teachings and then we seek to apply them in our lives so it's Matthew 18 it's found on page 800 in your pew bible starting with verse 23 now, the occasion for Jesus telling this story is that Peter comes up to him and, and and asks him, you know, when someone has wronged me, how many times am I supposed to forgive them? I mean, no, Peter's caught a little bit. He's caught some of what Jesus was saying. Well, you know, you, you, you were supposed to forgive people, and so I get that. But how many times? You know, what's the limit? When can I bring the hammer down? And Peter even says to Jesus, you know, I'll be generous. What about seven times? To which Jesus says, how about 70 times seven? And what he's saying is there is no limits to the grace of God. And so if it's the grace of God that has forgiven you, then that grace is limitless and if as you yoke with me, that grace will flow through you and you will be able to forgive 70 times 7. So it's in that uh, situation, in that context, that Jesus then shares this story. Starting with verse uh, 23 of uh, Matthew 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children, and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The first thing to recognize in this story that Jesus tells is the king is the one that's representing God. And then the slaves are us. Those that are sinners, those that are broken, those that have transgressed God's desire for us. Those who act in their own selfishness, in in evil ways or, or thoughts. And the king comes to the slave who owes him lifetimes of salary, money he could never repay. he asks for forgiveness and the king grants him that forgiveness. You know, the the first thing in in this story of Jesus that we have to recognize is that we are the slaves who are sinners. We are broken people. I am a broken person capable of evil of the worst kind as a human being in the eyes of God. That God. I am in need of His forgiveness and worthy of His judgment without it. And so are you too. You know, it was just this, this week in, in a time of, of prayer that you know, I continue to recognize my own desire for selfish affirmation, fame, and, and, and acclaim. You know, and, and I you know, as a pastor, I can put it in a nice pretty box and wrapping paper and a nice bow on it. You know, and I can say, Oh, I want the the church to flourish, you know, and to do wonderfully well and just to be a, a wonderful place that's just flourishing in every way and outpouring and growing in every way because then I look good. Yeah, you know, I mean it, that that feeds my ego. And and then I can even get clever and say, you know, I want that to happen for the glory of God. I want that to happen so that God will be glorified. And then I'll even have the right motives and be better than before. And it just goes I'm a dog chasing his tail in my prayer of confession with God, recognizing that I'm simply a broken human being. Who's socially been trained in appropriate ways to sin? And that I need God's utter, complete grace, for I am worthy of hell. And I'm so thankful in those times of prayer that I have a sense, as I start to laugh at myself, I'm just joining in the chuckles of heaven. In the humility and gentleness of God. Who chooses God the Son to come to earth and then is willingly, violently mutilated for me and for you to secure the forgiveness of our sins. That's the humility and gentleness of God that is willingly, violently mutilated for the salvation of the world. The one who deserves to be high and lifted up on a throne of glory and majesty is actually the one who is lifted up and hung on a cross of humiliation. Because he's gentle and humble. Slow to anger and quick to forgive He forgives. He secures the forgiveness of mine and yours evil actions and thoughts. And so it is, as Helen said earlier, it is a time of rest to confess. Because the most foolish thing we can ever do is try to hide from God. I mean, there are a lot of foolish things we can do, and you might even be able to pull them off. Uh, and, and, and have no uh, you know, er- earthly consequence for it. But hiding from God is impossible. And it's the most foolish thing that we do. Because when we're open and honest and we come to Him, we find that He is humble and gentle. And He secures our forgiveness. And so that's why Jesus says, come yoke with me. You know, it's like you're going to be a, an apprentice with me for all of life. This yoke is not just on Sunday morning, but it's 24 hours a day. It's seven days a week. You yoke with me and we, and we learn from him. It's not, there's a nice class on yoking, then if you do that for a few months, then you'll have it down pat. It's a lifelong journey of being yoked with Him, and in His gentleness, in His humility, in His sacrificial love, then we are formed more and more according to His character. And he wants us to know that that's where we're headed. That's why the second part of the story then comes where the, the, the slave who is forgiven, who owes the master over a lifetime, over multiple lifetimes of his salary, is then forgiven. And it's not saying, okay, I'll let you go and you can pay it back. If you go back and look, he says, no, you don't have to pay me anything back. It's done. Forgiven. You're, you're free. But then that, that slave then goes out and is not transformed at all. He's not changed at all. He, he then goes and meets another and acts with absolutely no gentleness and no mercy. And in essence, what Jesus is saying is that person really didn't receive my forgiveness. It, it, again, it's part of God's grace to say, you know, if you want this, this grace, this humility, this gentleness, this forgiveness that I give, you then give it to others, and, and that that leads you into living into that forgiveness. That that's part of being yoked with me, and, and because otherwise, being forgiven is simply a selfish act. I mean, most of the times that. I hear, I'm sorry, most of the times that I say, I'm sorry. What's the major motivation of saying, I'm sorry. I don't want to get in trouble. No, it's again, it's about me. And and Jesus is saying, no, this, this, this is a spiral of forgiveness that continues on and on. And, And it's not a matter of Like I said, a class or six steps to forgiveness, it's a matter of yoking with Jesus in our lives so that then sinful, broken human beings being yoked with Jesus can then be given the capacity and the gift of forgiving other sinful, broken human beings. Now, understand that this kind of forgiveness, this living into grace, it's free it's a gift from God, but it is difficult. It is painful. It is hard. Just ask Jesus how painful forgiveness and grace can be. Just watch the next couple weeks as we see what sacrificial love is required in order to give forgiveness. And, and you can tell by the story, too, he's serious about this. I mean, the, the story has a pretty horrific ending. Say, so, you know, if, if, if this forgiveness doesn't go through you to others, then it never entered you. When we say the Lord's Prayer, Father, uh, forgive my debts as we forgive our debtors yeah you know, they, they they it flows one to the other, so he, he's very serious and recognizing that there are many of you in here who have been wronged. You have been the recipients of evil, and to forgive another, maybe some of you here having to forgive somebody that the spirit will, speaking to you, you're having to forgive somebody who's dead. yeah. That's, that can be really painful. Even forgiving someone, uh, where you're releasing the anger. You're no longer holding the grudge. You're refusing the bitterness to somebody that doesn't really care. That's really painful. I was thinking about times, a few times in my life, when... Uh, one close to me betrayed me. Denied you know, me. Why did I not want to forgive them? You know, in, in your own life, think, what are the reasons you don't want to forgive somebody? For, for me, as I considered that, it's usually because I want to hurt them back. And I don't want to relinquish that. I want to somehow see them cry too. I want to somehow get pain from them. I also just don't want to in any way be mistaken in letting them off the hook. And saying what they did was right or good. If I don't punish them in somehow, then I'm saying what they did was right. If I refuse to forgive, that's called heart bearing a grudge, harboring bitterness, feeding my own anger. Even my own hatred, and that doesn't lead to rest. That, as I said earlier, that that leads not only to to spiritual unrest, but even leads to fear, uh, physical disease. Uh, remember, it's about six years ago, uh, a, a mission worker uh, that, that we support, John Schindeldecker was here, and he is. Um, uh, preaching with us uh, of similar uh, lines here and and he said, you know, when we harbor bitterness, when we refuse to forgive, it's like when I refuse to do it, it's like me drinking poison, thinking I'm causing destruction to my enemy. As we yoke with Jesus, as we learn from Him, as we metaphorically hang with Him, we gain His gentleness, His humility, and His forgiveness. It's not not natural. It's not a natural human response. It's supernatural. It's not just a decision we can make, but it's also, it must be a lifestyle that we develop. Now, I want us to understand that when we say, when we're yoking with Jesus and we're seeking to, to forgive those that have harmed us, we're not lowering the bar and saying, ah, what you did is okay. We're not whitewashing it. We're not saying, ah, oh, that's, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Never mind. No, we're we are saying what you did was wrong. It was evil. It was painful. It has caught, it has changed my life for the worse. So we're we're not lowering the bar, we're raising the bar, though. That's what Jesus does. He, he raises the bar. He doesn't say, well, we'll just say those things are okay. But he raises the bar and said, I call you to an even higher way of living. Look at another one of his teachings in Matthew chapter 5. Starting with verse 21. You've heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire." So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister. And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and to the judge, to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. The place of rest is not, Jesus has raised that bar. The place, it's not just any longer, well, don't murder. He's saying, don't harbor anger towards another. He says, here, don't even call them names. In, in, in times of, of conflict where people have done wrong, it's not a matter of lowering the bar and saying, oh, everything's okay, but raising the bar to the place where Jesus calls us to a transformed spirit that is more and more like Him. And I think in this passage, what He's saying is, we never have the right to lose respect for another human being as a human being in humility and gentleness yoked with Jesus we don't have the right to treat another human being without honor gentleness humility and love like Jesus treats us as a good friend of mine say being yoked with Jesus and finding his rest and forgiving others is learning how to forgive people who sin differently than I do. This is a high calling, but one that, that leads to rest, to release the burden, to release the forgiveness. A couple stories that, uh, that, that demonstrate some folks who are yoked with Jesus and, and living in the, the fullness of this rest in the midst of evil, in the midst of being wronged. One's a 10 year old girl named Miriam. And there's an interview that you can find on uh, YouTube. And so be, be sure when the opportunity um, arises to look at the interview. It has subtitles, as you can tell. That's a picture of Miriam there. And uh, she and her family lived in Mosul, Iraq, in a little village um, in that city called Karakush. And uh, she uh, was interviewed on SAT7, which is uh, an international Christian um, network. And uh, it was Esam Naji who uh, interviewed her and Esam asked her after they had been run out of their home and now living on the other side of the country in Erbil, interviewed her and asked her about how she felt about being run out of her home, being separated from her friends. And again, when you leave from here, take the time to look at that. You, You will be glad you did. But she said, sometimes I cry because we left our home in Karakush. But I'm not angry at God because we left Karakush. I thank Him because He provided for us. Even if we're suffering here, He has provided what we have. Some asked her further about how she felt about Isis that drove her family out. And she said, God loves us and, and wouldn't let Isis kill us. And, and God loves the members of Isis, He loves them. But she added, But He doesn't love Satan. Asked, what would you do if you met people of ISIS? I wouldn't do anything to them. I will only ask God to forgive them. I'm just sad they drove us out of our homes. Why did they do that? Another story is Bashir Estaphanos lives in Egypt about 150 miles south of Cairo. And his village... Al-Or, 13 of the 21 martyrs who were Christians who were beheaded in in Libya were were from his village. Two of those were his brothers. And in an interview, again with a show on Sat 7, he says this, ISIS gave us more than we asked for. They, they didn't edit out the part of the video where they showed the 21 being beheaded. They did not edit out of that the part where they declared their faith and called out to Jesus. And his mom, who was sitting there with him, um, added to it, or, or he recounted this. This is what mom said when we talked about this. That if someone from Isis was in their village, she said she would invite him into her home and ask God to open their eyes. That kind of response to such horrific evil only comes from the gift of God's grace and mercy. Of one who's been yoked with Jesus. Who has the power and the strength to stay gentle and humble in the face of even evil. That's the Lord that calls us to Him. Who seeks to give us rest in Him. In the face of what we've done and what's been done to us. May we, individually and as a community, experience the fullness of Jesus' rest. Amen.